Welcome back to the Homegrown Podcast. I and Randy really appreciate you coming back and listening and leaving all your feedback and reaching out to us for um, just support. We love it. Uh, as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, uh, under the Homegrown Podcast. And same thing with our Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at the Homegrown Podcast. Uh, today, I have a really special guest, really close friend of mine, old friend of mine. Uh, and you know, I want to start to be better at this, that like, this is a warning of like, we will be talking about mental health issues, topics surrounding mental health, both, um, good and bad. And so I just want to give a little warning to those who may have had traumas, uh, and may possibly be triggered by things. Um, just a kind of warning there. Um, but yeah, we're going to dive into it. My good friend, Patrick is here to join us and talk about just our life experience with mental health, what that means to us, and just kind of what's going on today. So, Patrick, thank you so much for um, coming on here and joining me. I really appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing great, my man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for people that don't know, or the listeners that may not know you or our relationship, we met um, through my alma mater and now rest in peace, unfortunately, uh, Madison Media Institute. Uh, a lot of our listeners probably went there because there, a lot of our listeners are mutual friends of ours. So we will recognize the good times of uh, MMI. But we met there through our admissions jobs. We were um, both admission advisors for the school for a period of time, um, including Randy, ironically, our host here. Um, but yeah, so we met then and just kind of started our friendship through work. And then we're able to like I feel create a friendship that went outside of work and able to share life experiences. Um, but I recently posted that I wanted to have more, uh, men on here to talk about mental health and you kind of reached out and I just wanted to inquire why, why the interest for you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was really, I was really straightforward. I've dealt with mental health issues for a long time. Yeah. And so when I saw that you had that post up about you know, wanting to have more people talking about mental health, I was like, hey, I mean, I don't know what I can bring to the table, but I can tell you my experiences and how it's affected me. And if that helps anybody, great. Yeah. Um, if it just enlightens them into the world of mental health, great. Um, yeah. yeah, anything I can do to help. Um, I've experienced it. Yeah. What was... Where do you, where does your story, where would you like to begin with your story? If, if anywhere in a particular spot. Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. Um, 
I would say my first experience dealing with mental health and realizing that I had the traditional, hey, you're diagnosed with depression would have been in high school, um, probably my going into my senior year. So the summer before senior year, had a, a couple friends that I grew up with, pretty close with, um, passed away in a car accident. Mm. And I didn't really know what to do with myself, didn't know how to handle the grief, the stress, the pains. Um, and I started, I wouldn't say cutting myself, um, chicken wire. I would yeah. just use chicken wire to scratch myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe not as severe as, as many others, but my parents noticed it and got me in to talk to somebody right away. And uh, the typical uh, prescription of some yeah. sort of an antidepressant. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was where it all started for me. Um, and I mean, over the years, it's been on and off depression yeah. for various things. Um, you know, whether it was stuff that I did to myself that, that caused the depression, you know, I've lost jobs for maybe not being as reliable or being the most productive at certain points of my depression. Yeah. Um, I've messed up relationships because of my depression. Yeah. Um, I've also been diagnosed with ADHD for since I was three years old. Yeah. And I know that those actions um, through my ADHD have uh, worked along with my depression to you know give me some bad habits over the years, whether it was trying to cope with my depression through binge drinking or through um, having lots of sexual partners to just yeah. get myself out of you know being down and you know distracting myself that way. yeah, um, you know, which obviously, that affected my partners that I was serious with because a lot of them I cheated on because I was depressed and I right. felt like I needed some sort of a pick me up outside of my relationship to keep me going. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been a lot of, a lot of different things um, that you could say some, some of them are side effects uh, or yeah. Side effects of maybe medications that I've taken to cope with things. Some of them are just, symptoms of the depression and ADHD combination. Right. Um, but most recently I just separated from my fiance of almost eight years. We have two kids together. And so that has to do with my depression and ADHD as well. That's some of the reasons why things didn't work out with us. Um, so obviously now I'm like, Holy crap, your shit sucks. I'm living at home with my parents. I yeah. have my girls half the time. Yeah. And, you know, we're all living at my parents when I do have the girls half the time. So it's like, dude, nobody wants to have to move back to their parents' house and not be able to afford their own house. Right. But, right. You know, trying to buy a house and pay all the other bills that you normally would pay for raising children. Right. Is not right. easy. Yeah. No, very <laughs> so, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, depression's right back, you know at the forefront of my life. I mean, yeah. I have some really tough days where I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. I yeah. don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how I'm going to get myself through this or get myself out of this situation, but I don't like it and I don't want to be here. Yeah. You know? So does suicide come up and, and hurting myself? I'd say those, those thoughts run through my head. I don't personally feel like I have the motivation to do it. Right. Um, or the guts to just break down the guts to do it. Yeah. Um, it's more the feeling of just giving up and feeling like I could sleep forever because I just 
I'm sick of feeling like this. Yeah. So yeah, man, depression sucks. No, yeah. You know, and and I'm one of the you know, I'm a typical white male. So we're the prime candidate for suicide yeah. in the realm of depression. Mm. Um, <laughs> so it's like I don't want to be another statistic, but you know, yeah, there's lots of days that are that are just so unbelievably hard, you know, getting getting up, going to work, yeah, taking care of your kids. Like they are my world and I work my butt off so that none of that slips. Right. But everything else slips. Taking right. care of yourself, taking care of your job, things like that then go down the drain a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, again, I'll say it again, depression sucks and lots of people have it. Mental health, you know, is something that yeah, I would agree. There are there are definitely stigmas to it, and stigmas to to men. There's certain expectations, um, you know, just like when you talk about a mother, like she's expected to do all this and that. Like mm. just everybody think, thinks she raises the family when when dad's not there. Well, right. the world's changing. Dads are doing just as much as the as the moms are doing. Yeah. Well, mental health wise, yeah, we are expected to be strong and be that father figure and, right. and not have issues. We're the ones that bring in the money or are expected to traditionally and it's right. like you can't you can't lose your mental health well it's like job. even being just like emotional right like at times for men can right. be off-putting to maybe like quote-unquote norms of like the male dominant group right because like yeah. because like being and thank you for sharing all that like i really first want to say that too because i think sharing all that information is like, it shouldn't go unnoticed because it can be a really big caveat for anyone that's listening. Um, so first and foremost, thank you. Um, but I think like you said, where, and like, I want to unpack some of this too, because I think there's a lot of layers into it, which I think people may want to also like explore when that first incident happened. Cause like, I, I think when you deal with mental health, we all have that, that moment right? That moment that pushes us over to the edge of like, oh, this is different than just being set. Like what, what was that process like unraveling that? Because for me, when I lost my friend, when I was 12 to suicide, that's what did it for me is it like, it broke my ground to where I saw like the depths of sadness and, you know, hurt. So like, what was that? That must've been really hard to unpack, I imagine. But like, what was that starting process? Like, cause that's so, uh, that's, it's, it's hard to do it at that age. Right. Cause like, we're not eat. That's not even on our radar, dude. Like we have that Superman effect, yeah. right? Like, but that's not even like, we're not thinking about loss or like, Hey, let's be careful. It's just like, let's just go. Was that, what do you remember well, from that time? I, I would say I've, as people get to know me, a more emotional person or even more emotional male than yeah. most. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, losing like a great grandma and a great grandfather, because I was lucky enough to have them around, but losing them at a young age, I already had that experience of, of that sadness and that mm. loss. Now, right. was it a depression at that point? No, I was just, I was too young. It didn't take that hold on me, but right. it was so sad. And so as I got older, when I lost my friends, it was that same feeling, that same deep, deep sadness, but it made me again less motivated i could start to feel down as yeah. in I, i'm not motivated to do as much so that sadness stuck around it lingered um and then i found myself not knowing how to get out of that sadness so that's when i started to 
do things that my ADHD was probably pushing me to do. Mm. And that was my first time cheating on my girlfriend in high school. I went to Costa Rica and cheated yeah. um, and came back. And I felt so even worse because it was just, again, a band-aid right. for something I should have been dealing with. Right. Um, so I broke up with her and obviously I was sad again. So I was right. in another realm of depression. Right. So I lose my friends and I break up with my girlfriend because I made a mistake that made me feel guilty. Right. So it, it became a, a little bit of a, a cycle where I would be depressed. I would go do something to take care of that depression, but it wasn't the right thing. Right. Um, but I thought it was at the time, you know, it was something to lift my spirits at least and distract me. And that's the problem. It was a distraction. It wasn't focusing on a solution to mm. take care of that depression. Mm. So that's so an yeah, interesting was, point. Again, dude. No, realizing. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. But that, that's a really interesting point of like understanding that it was, it was a bandaid, not a heel. Right. And like those actions. Cause I mm-hmm. think that takes a lot of like self-awareness to realize like oh shit like i'm doing this because you know what i mean like that's a like because when you're dealing Mm -hmm. with mental health we talk about self-awareness but it's really hard to be able to reflect on an incident and just like have truth to yourself of like no 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 like everything was good i made some poor decisions maybe but this but it's not my fault in that sense it's because of what's happening with mental health you know, ADHD, like all these sure. things. Like, so like, it's an interesting point of just like healment and band-aid treatments almost. Were you, did you go into therapy like soon after that? Or was there more, was it more of just like a process? Yeah, yeah there was, it was therapy initially for a little while. Yeah. Um, and then the medication. And then I think when I, graduated high schools when I stopped on on that medication mm-hmm. and went off to college. And then I think I stopped taking my ADHD medication as well. Yeah. Um at that point in time going off to college because I, you know, was young and rebellious. And I was like, right. I don't want to be dependent on this right. medication. I want to like be me and and you know really be who I am. Um I it's hard to tell if that was good or bad. Uh, mental health wise, because I did really good in college. I graduated with like a 3.8, 3.9. Right. But how much did I retain? How much focus did I put on my schooling versus like just getting my projects and my assignments and my papers done to get them done versus really enjoying it and spending the time doing mm. the research? Mm. Um, you know, I would say maybe that's something that I, I lost because I wasn't taking care of my mental health. Mm. Um, and it's college and you're a man. And you're right. expected to go out and party all the time. So right. I was doing that stuff too. I was binge drinking. I'm I've never been addicted to things like a lot of people with depression and ADHD are. But I mean, I guess yeah, you could say that I maybe had an addiction to um binge drinking mm. and maybe to you know sleeping with women at that point. Yeah. Um I guess when it comes to the mental health side of sleeping with women, for me, I've never, I've always felt like the, I wouldn't say outcast because I, I knew everybody in school and got along with everybody, but more of like, I just didn't fit in mm. whether or not it was true. Who knows? Right. But I moved to Madison 
and started getting attention from all these other people, I was like, Ooh, this is new. This is something different. Mm. So then that's where I shifted to, you know, what I saw in media, which was like, men go get the women. Right. So then I thought it was cool to like sleep with a bunch of women. Right. You know, would I take it back? I probably wouldn't have slept with as many people and I would have had probably more meaningful relationships. Yeah. Um, but it's what I saw in the media and what the expectations for men in the media were. Right. Right. Well, and do you like, and like, if we're like, if we want to open this up and be honest, man, like even when we met, it was something of like, like an accolade that we put on you. Right. Like when we would go yeah. out and drink and party and be like, you know what I mean? So like, that's an interesting thing of what yeah, it's cool like, to do. Right. You know? Right. Right. Hmm. So that, you know, obviously that all plays to the mental health side of things as well. Yeah. So maybe you think it's cool at the time. and You know, later on in life, you're like, man, you know, just flat out like, yeah, I was a slut. Like right. you don't hear that from men. You hear women being called it. But yeah. So many men are right. Yeah. No. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, we just like, we, again, we get so, like, we get this like cool badge of respect versus like the, the downgraded, you're less than societal, like women side of it. Right. Like they look at it as an evil thing sometimes when it comes to women, but like with men, it's just like, Oh yeah, dude, like yeah. notched another one in your belt and like that conversation, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, when did you yeah. like, so I would say a lot of that though. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, man. Cause like, it's so, it's so, especially cause you're, we're both from like really small towns too. So like, I think there's like an added layer sometimes when it comes to like these farm mechanic type towns, right? Like blue collar, hard, yeah. hardworking, right? Good people. But just like, there's a little, like that old school, like men are men and women are women. Like that's really still a very big backbone of small communities. Right. Like, yeah. So it's, were you always like, did you ever get made fun of or like noticed for being like more emotional than most? Cause that is something I noticed. I remember like when we first met, I was like, Oh, this dude's like really in tune with like himself, like in a good way, as far as like emotion wise, like you notice them, you talk about them. So, so that's the, the funny thing is most people when I first meet them, um, most people end up telling me later on, like, Hey man, I thought you were like a serious person. Cause a lot of times in my initial mm. like meeting of people, especially in like the business setting of work setting, right. I'm very, very just straightforward. Yeah. I don't, you know, say more than I need to, need to say. Um, but yeah, once you get to know me and, and I open up like, which is, it's really quick. Yeah. Now, emotion-wise, I don't feel like a lot of people saw the emotional side of me, though. So mm. I don't think many people knew that I had as much emotion. Um, you know, if you wanted to look at a small-town perspective, like I was in art classes. Art was my big interest, mostly yeah. in high school. So like that is more an emotional side of men. And then going into like music and choir, right? Like, yeah. that's more of an emotional side for a man to be involved in that kind of stuff. So yep. like people saw it and there was a traditional, like maybe a bit of making fun of a person, like a man that was in show choir or music and stuff like that, you know, but it wasn't really heavy. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean the emotional side of me, like not a lot of people, I, I don't really feel like I've ever been made fun of for that. I mean, and I associate most of the time with women 
one yeah. of them say because it's more comfortable and they appreciate that emotional side. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, if I was going out with a bunch of dudes, would I change? I wouldn't change, but they just wouldn't be interested probably in the same kinds of conversations. Right. No. Yeah. And that's, I think that's something we shared too, is like you and I both have like this more of a relax and tone when talking in a female setting than like a male setting. Cause like we, we just, and, and like so many of our friend mutual friends too, like we are very just like, we will say our emotion. Like we may not show it face value, but we'll, we can talk. We want to go, we, you know, we're not like the beer pong people. We're like the, Hey, let's go outside and talk about life and random shit that comes to our head. So being, being like, but I'm glad like though that has always been with you. That's interesting that it's kind of always been around though too, because that I've, it's always something I've really appreciated is being able to just like, honestly open up and talk about shit. Cause, um, I felt like that was pretty natural for, at least from an outsider's perspective, like you and I's relationship and like our, like other friendships, like it was really easy to talk to you about just fucking really anything. Right. That's why, that's why you made a good admissions advisor, right? Could get talk about anything. Um, so when did, you know, it's, it's interesting that you talk about like the depression side of your life and the experiences you've gone through, because I've always noticed and felt that you are all maybe not, maybe, maybe hopes too strong of a word. But like you always continue to push though and move forward or like, or just find like, it may not be a big step, but you're just continuing to like, at least be here. Where do you, was that something that was developed? Was that something that Zuvaris had? Um, I would say that it's all I know. Mm-hmm. It's all I know is to keep going. Okay. Um, so like, yeah, definitely lots of days I want to give up. Um, but I can't, I mean, Right. You can quit going to your job and lay in bed all day, lose your house then because you're not paying your bills, lose your family. You know, there's many points in time where I felt like doing that. Right. Um, giving up in that way. Again, the suicide side of it is thought about, but never acted on. Yeah. Um, so that that's the more realistic side for me is the whole like just gonna sleep all day lose my job lose my friends lose my family if i was to give up um but i you know i feel like many situations have come close Uh, there was a year or two that pretty much cut off like all my friends and family Mm. um you know it's hard to say when that was exactly um but i think it was after like my first loss of a job mm. after college okay and i just like i cut everybody off yeah and wasn't you know speaking to my family and just was going out and partying and sleeping with women to yeah. keep myself going yeah um yeah so but yeah like it's having hope is just yeah i don't know if that's the right word just having just knowing that you have to keep going you know right. you can't just Right. Turn the switch off on your body and your right. mind. Right. Well, you make a really good point too. Uh, the difference of suicide ideation, suicide thought, and depression. Right. Because, like, necessarily, if you have depression, you may not have the suicidal thought part. Like you said, you may just be very struggling to find that motivation to move, to act, to have action throughout the day. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, 
you know, you should be put in a mental institute on watch, right? That just means like maybe there's yep. something that's depressing you that needs to be worked on. If it's a chemical imbalance thing, you look at that, whatever. But like, it is a good point to like understand the difference because I don't think there was times that I was labeled as like depressed, but it was really the thing of suicide with me that was always like, and kind of still remains like when I go back into therapy, a big issue is just like, and the difference of that, because like I can go throughout life and move and maybe not have that heavy blanket of depression, but it is like negative thought that's different. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know yeah. if that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I get it. Cause yeah, I mean, that's for me, that's my biggest hurdle right now is with having my depression. Mm. It's that motivation. And that's the thing that gets, I feel like it's overlooked when it comes to like, Hey, there's resources that can help you guys. Like mm. you have depression, like there's resources, go get help. It's mm. like some people don't even have the motivation to do that. Right. You can give them all the resources. You may have to grab your friend and friend and like physically go through their insurance, figure out who their healthcare provider is, take right. them to a mental health counselor right. to right. get them going through mental health counseling. If that's what they need is yeah. The first hurdle with anything is just that first step, that first action. Right. I mean, yeah, some days it's hard. Like to be honest right now, my daughter, I think she has ADHD. I need to have her evaluated. Her paperwork though is daunting mental health wise. Like looking at like and overthinking what you're filling out. Like, Oh, am I filling this out wrong? Is this going to ruin her evaluation process? So like that is a great example of just that starting um, point of being able to like start doing that paperwork, get it right, done. Right. Cause I've been sitting on it for now, like two weeks. Yeah. But like, no, it's, it is a great point as well of just like, because I think when you look at the, the social media positive side of mental health and these pushes and conversations that like sports teams are having and all this, like kind of like the mainstream part of it, it is just like, well, here's the resources. So you shouldn't be depressed anymore. It's like, it's not that easy, right? Like the idea and, and learning about the system currently now, dude, it's like, yeah, no, it's a fucked up situation. And it's really hard to just find a therapist within your area that covers you under the right insurance. And it has to be the right right type of clinic that's there and the right type of personnel that's there. It's like, that's, but again, it looks like it's just like, Hey, just call this number. And you know, and so like, there is a realistic side that needs to be said of like, yeah, it's, it is a process and it can be a process. And like, that's not, I don't think that's to the fall or weakness of like people that have to try and get to that first step. Like you said, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's glamorized mm, almost. Uh, yeah. It, I guess two, two ways of looking at it. Glamorized as like, Oh man, you have depression and you survived it or you survived right. suicide. Now right. you're the superstar. Like, I don't want to have to survive suicide. You know, right. I don't want to have to survive an attempt at that. Um, and then the other side of it is like the glamorization of like if a lot of false hope of, like you said, here it is, just call this number. It's like, no, you have to, again, do all that research for your insurance. Right. If you don't have insurance, right. you got to figure out what's going to cover it. Can you afford it? Maybe your parents chip in, you know, there's right. all these questions that would have to come into play. Um, as well as, you know, again, are you going to motivate yourself? to do that. Um, mm. and what are the repercussions? Right. You know, people don't think about that and whether 
as I mentioned to you offline, whether a company says like, hey, man, we support your mental health, right? whether or not they really do, there's not a lot of way to tell that until you actually have to do that and then see what they do. Right. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Because right now, like you said, it's, it's, uh, what is the word? It's popular to be mm-hmm. pro mental health right now, right? Especially yeah. coming off pandemic, coming off all this shit. So like people want to quickly say like, we support mental health. We love all of you and each part of you. Right. And, but until it's like, Hey, I need to take a week off because, mm-hmm. you know, or because of whatever it is. And then they go, well, you have deadlines and we need this report done. And this it's like, that's interesting. Yeah. Because like it is to the point you, where no, <laughs> no, it's a great point. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And so when I separated from my ex fiance, uh, this was back in let's say October. I just I just asked my primary doctor. I was like, hey, can you um, fill out this FMLA paperwork? Um, not that I'll have to use it, but just so that I have something uh, preemptive, so that if I do need to start taking some days off for mental health, I'm under FMLA. Right. And that's the family medical um, leave so that those days that I take off can't be just used against me. I was like, well, this guy missed this many days of work. Right, right, as right. A standard for a lot of companies would be like, hey, you missed so many days. You know, we're going to have to write you up. Now, if you're under FMLA, they say, hey, you're protected. Right. They have a better chance of protection. Right. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I mean, again, it's a lot of, yeah, we support you, but here's our, we have a, employee um assistance right here's our website that has right. employee assistance <laughs> right all this number you know log into this and they'll help direct you where you need to go and it's like okay that's great well maybe i call my insurance who you know that's what i'm under they would do better you do the same thing with them and it's yeah we'll try and direct you where to go yeah and then again like you were mentioning like i need to take these days off they have deadlines and they have this stuff needs to be you know yeah. stuff needs to get done and if you they can't have that fulfilled for them. And what are they going to do? Are they going to judge you later? You know, there's going to be unconscious bias anyways. Right. Well, especially in business, right. And sales and just those type of like very capitalistic industries. It's like, if there's a mark on your record of something like that, it's not, it's seen as a weakness. It's seen as like, well, okay, well, ex employee gets sad every two whatever. And so like, maybe that's where the quota needs to be, you know, or just like adjusted to where like they find it as an excuse or a reason to rid of someone or to just like you said, maybe not rid of someone. Cause like that would be a lot of lawsuit shit, but if just like, maybe you don't get everything that everyone else is getting access to, or there's this weird persona. And then, it's the balance of mental health of like, yes, respect me for like what packages I have of depression, whatever it is, but to also know, like I am capable. I just may need things different. Right. It's like, I always think of it. It's like, like, you know how schools will sometimes adjust. Like if you're not a good test taker, you might do an oral test. You might do that. Like there's things like that with mental health of like, I can do and be very productive. Cause like I've worked with you, dude, like you're a really hard worker. You get your shit done. But it is like that sign of like, well, maybe though some days though, I just need this to then produce better. But again, in like in sales, they don't have fucking time for that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, they're just looking at the numbers, right? You know, right. And even though I work for a place that's, um, you know, uh, not not a private organization, um, like they're a little bit more supportive, I would say. But still, 
wherever you work, it comes down to like, if you don't make money, business can't go on. Right. And in order to make that money, you've got to do X, Y, and Z right. in your job to do that. Right. So, right. so they don't, they don't look at it. Again, they, they su- say they support the mental health side and, right. and maybe place does, maybe it doesn't, you know, I don't want to talk bad to those places that tr- really do truly support mental health awareness and, and mm-hmm. helping their employees. Um, and I'm not saying that mine isn't either, but right. it's like, you got to think of it in a couple different ways. Like if you're supporting this person's mental health, they may become an even bigger asset, you know, for your company. Right. Um, They may recover fully from whatever they're going through and be better, or maybe it is reoccurring for the rest of their life, but they still become better, Mm, you know? So so they need to consider those things where I feel like they, and I think we all do that. We see the negatives first because the negatives are what are, brought up first so they see that employees having to take more time off you know they don't maybe see in a year that he's done this x y and z to a higher standard right right no that's a great point well and it's like this idea of like that whole what's the saying like leave your problems at the door when you come into the office it's like that shit's impossible and it's such a stupid saying because like you can't if you went through a traumatic experience and on any level, whatever you view as traumatic and you experience and you call it that, then it's trauma, right? Mm-hmm. If you go through something and I'm just like, oh, let's like let's go to the our job and make sure we make sales and are on the like fuck that. No, you need to go home and take this off. Like Randy and I were just talking about this offline of just like the convert the the balance of understanding. I think it's just what we're talking about, right? Like the the you need if you're gonna talk the talk, you need to walk the walk and back it up. And that means when at the worst time, not at when it's popular and like cle- like you know, glamorous to say so, but to when like someone gets hurt in a really traumatic way, and then you're like, go home. Like it's fine. Like and like we'll figure out your hours, whatever, if you have to go on you know, like there's gotta be that that true side of to back it up, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just, it's just being a human and connecting yeah. with your employees, Yeah, you know, on just that human level that if you have those good connections and you treat them that way, like, yeah, maybe you see less, who knows, maybe you see less productivity of that person forever, but the quality's better. Right. You know, there's right. just, you gotta, you gotta give people that human treatment and understand that shit sucks for people sometimes and that right they're not going to be your best employee if they once were right. right you know they're not now but like yeah i mean if they're starting to damage the business that's one thing but like yeah if they're just numbers are dropping because they're not doing well like work with them work right. with them right like because like are they just like a really lazy fuck or is it something that really happened that just you don't know about because you try and keep this like facade of professional relationship and only business. It's like, well, you need to figure out what happened because if they at any point showed a great success rate, right. Or just like getting the job done, like you owe it to that. And the process of understanding like, well, what's happening? Are you just like, you just don't give a fuck. You don't want, like you said, if there was really damaging effects, right? Like if you're really just trying to get fired or get like, just lose your job and you don't care or to the point of like, what's going on and like, what happened? Is there anything we can actually help with? Right. And like, again, maybe provide yeah. better access to resources and information to like move the ball along a little bit better. You know, um, you had, you brought up a little thing that I 
It is a very raw subject, so if we don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But for me, it is something that has been... I don't think I ever thought about it as when I was going through my mental health experiences. It was only after I, like, to the point of when we were having kids. So one of my biggest fears is that with my son, right, that we, I pass along these certain, like, genetic traits of mental health. And you kind of talked about that with one of your children now. Was, was that ever, like, something that you thought about? Because for me... Up until like when Katie and I were really ready to think about like expanding family and growing, I felt like I delayed it on purpose because of like, well, I don't want like a kid to go through what I went through. Like, that's not like, you know, would these thoughts ever occur to you or is it or ever maybe? Not so much the like depression, mental health side of things. Um, I, it wasn't, and it didn't delay having kids for me. Um, I always thought, you know, I always knew through having ADHD for so long or being diagnosed at such an early age that like it is the most part genetic and that, you know, it could be passed on. So that was always something that, you know, I knew could happen. Mm. Um, you know, and maybe selfishly, I didn't think about it. I I don't know, but yeah, it wasn't something that concerned me per se. Yeah. I think, I think more of what concerns me when I worry about like, my child may be having depression and mm. how should be treated with ADHD is just stuff that I feel like our country is just totally, you know, a little bit off subject, but different world. Like it's just not doing a lot right to make things good and, and the land mm. of promise, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. you know, like let's reduce our amount of time that we're at work. So that we do spend more time with our family. Let's reduce the amount of time we're at work because we should be spending more time living our life. Right. You know? Right. And I know there's two kind of situations right now. There's people that'll, you know, be the entrepreneur and and create their own job for themselves and have that more freedom for themselves. But there's a lot of people that don't have that option that are just like, I got to work at a factory because maybe this is all I feel I'm capable of. Right. Like, Hey man, a lot of countries that have reduced their, you know, um, hours that are required for their employees to work are seeing a higher quality right. of living. Right. So there's stuff that are so outside of just you as a person being able to fix that mm. I feel like need to be addressed in that world of mental health. Like if they're pushing mental health right now yeah, and supporting mental health, yeah, I think that should be one of the next things right along with mental health. Hey, we need to have people work less. Yeah. I think that is a huge thing that affects the quality of living of people. Cause honestly, after having kids, I want to be with my fucking kids as much as I can. Yeah. So yeah. if I worked four days a week versus five days a week, man, that would be awesome. Right. Right. No. Cause like it is, there's, cause there's like two questions of that, right? Like it's what can we do? And then like, what is like the overall narrative pushing us towards in our country? Because mm-hmm. we can, we can live in a small portion of like what's happening in my world, but it is ultimately affected obviously by policy lawmakers, just mentality even. Right. Because like, there's some people in big cities that look at that and just be like, you're just being weak, blah, 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 blah. It's like, but what is quality of life? And this was a conversation Randy and I talked about too offline when we were like prepping for like more stuff on the podcast was like, there is at a point that you as a person have to make a decision of like, do you just want to be a business gunner, 
right? And like, and Adam and I talked about this on a previous podcast that will drop soon. It's just like, do you want to be always that grinder, or do you need to understand and re- reevaluate what it means to you? So then maybe you do find a job that allows a little bit more flexibility. Maybe not like the full four days thing, but like over more time off working from home now is an option to a lot of companies, like just different things. And I think we, especially as the younger generation are really taking that into like our power of like, well, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? Right. And like, what does that mean? And what's important? Can I get by with minimal pay, but it's a great work environment, right? Like employees are great. Coworkers are cool. Or like, what's that middle ground? But it's just like, yeah, it's a weird system we have here because like it's it seems so like mainstream to talk about mental health, but it doesn't seem like there's really anything new changing besides like a mm-hmm. celebrity coming on and like, well, I do is mental, and that's great, and I don't want to like take away credit from that, but it's like that's so unattainable to like so many people, like our listeners, that like they can't relate to a LeBron James talking about how it's hard to make a shot because he has, he gets anxious, right? Like it's more relatable and like, we need to start making. And like, I think that's why I love having these conversations is to normalize them. And I think that's the first step of like recorrecting this mentality of like, well, we just need to be hard workers and not be emotional. It's like, fuck that life sucks. Right. Like that's horrible. Like like if we, if we really, if we want to be honest and really narrow this down, like life is terrible, but like it is, and maybe this is a mentality thing of the country too, is like community. Like we need to come together and talk about these moments. So then it's, so then we have like an understanding of like, Oh, you know what, you know what life sucks too. Like, Oh, I know that life sucks too. And then we can find this like togetherness. And I think that's when we talk about mentality of the country is why frustration with mental health is like, we say this stuff, but then we never build a community around it to really like embrace each other. Right. Um, sure. What do you think, or has there been, was there a moment that you can remember things to start to change to like a better progression for you? Or is there anything was, has there been, was there any type of shift within your like experience of like your mental health or is it too ongoing? I mean, Cause if it's ongoing, it's, it's to ongoing it. too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely ongoing. I mean, so obviously right now being separated from somebody who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with, um, you know, and we have kids together and now thinking like, Hey, I'm only going to get to experience half of my child's life. Mm. And like, that's a pretty brutal statement when you put it into that, that context, but that's the reality of it. Like right. she has them half the time. I have them half time. That's fucking depressing. Yeah. I'm going to miss out on half my child's life. Right. You could say, oh, glass is half full or half empty. I'm going to get to experience half my child's life. You know what? I should be experiencing my child's life. Well, yeah, yeah, right. 100%. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's my thought. Yeah. So, so like my mental health, you know, has crept back up and it is in a very high state of, you know, uh, watchfulness. Yeah. Um, the moments that I've been happy, you know, have been a lot of, finding somebody that that i care about and that cares for me um and finding things that i enjoy i mean again some of those things you could call them distractions i used to play video games a lot like to distract yeah. myself yeah. but it made me happy yeah you know i wasn't you know i wasn't thinking about my depression i right. wasn't thinking like oh god my life sucks like right. it was a 
it was a good distraction. Now people could say maybe it was healthy, maybe it wasn't. I could have been doing more productive things. Um, but I guess, yeah, I have engaged myself in a lot of productive stuff, whether it was we got a house and I worked on remodeling the house that kept me busy, right. kept me from thinking about mental health issues. Right. But yeah, usually for me, the up with my mental health relies on so many outside factors. Mm. It really does. Like yeah. I can't say I'm strong enough to manage my mental health on my own. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm not dependent on another, on another person, but like, yeah, I like having a person that cares for me. I like being in a relationship. Yeah. Um, I like being around my kids because they care for me and they bring me happiness. Yeah. So there are yeah, a lot of things outside of me that, you know, really affect my mental health and, and again, not being able to raise myself up to the happiness level on my own in a lot of circumstances. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and there's like, there's different processes of mental health, right? Like when dealing with, depression, anxiety, um, more mental health focus on, on those type of diagnoses. It's like, there are some people that are at the point to where like they have their systems in place, right? They know what they need to get, like to make them tolerable to access life. Like, and that's where like, luckily I am, I am at that level to where like, I know where like I need, and it's funny that you say video games. Cause like I have when a day goes by really bad, part of it is like, I do need to distract myself because for me at least, and this is only my experience is not talking about anyone else's, but just what I know works for me is like, I do need a distraction for like an hour to just reset my brain. Because my, what my thing is like when my brain gets going, if it's positive, if it's negative, if it's anger, if it's whatever it is, like it will just keep going until something yeah. strong enough, like a video game, right? Is just like, you need to focus on me. You need to play this game, accomplish this mission, whatever it is. And, you know, and so we need to find these things that maybe don't make us get to that level by ourselves, but that we know that helps, right? Because mm-hmm. I think part of the thing that also a stigma of mental health is like, this quick turnaround, right? Like it seems so simple for people, right? And it's not, it's a long, sometimes lifelong process to maintain. And I think that's an expectation that doesn't really get transparent, at least in like, again, more popular. Curable is what it is. Yeah. Everybody else. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. They all, they all think it's curable, but it's like, I know for the rest of my life, I'm probably going to take medication for my ADHD to keep me in check and on focus. And I'll probably be on and off of some sort of an antidepressant for a lot of my life um, until I get to a point in my head that I deem is appropriate, which in my head is, I think, what would make me happy? Well, being able to afford living comfortably, being able to take care of my children. Yeah. You know, having a romantic partner that is there to support you through, you know, good and bad, Mm. like, you know, those, you can always have that, that next thing, like, oh, that next thing will make me happy. If I get this, if I just have this, I'll be better. Right. But that's, yeah, most of the time, mental health is a lifetime, a lifetime process of work. Yeah. No, that's a great way to say. And to like, that's a great point 
you made too of like accepting it. Cause like, I know, like, cause I had to do that. And that was like more of my battle coming off of like, I came out of a mental health clinic after my friend committed suicide and like a bunch of other stuff was happening to me at the time. But it, it was this process of understanding, like, this is just something that's always going to be in the background. And there are going to be years and chunks. Like, I went from 18-ish to, I went almost 10 years of just, like, solid mental health, right? Like, good. I had my processes in check. I knew what I needed to do. I was grounded again. I found my, like, chakras or schemes to, like, go get through life but stuff happened and it changed quickly to where it's like it reminded me in a really humbling way it's like oh yeah it's here it's always there if if it's if it's at the forefront now and you have to work through stuff that's one thing but there's always times where it may be in the background and you but you need to kind of always keep in check to ensure like you're always remembering that because it is like it is like we're always going to have to we're always going to be more sensitive than other people we're always going to um, react in ways that may not be deemed like norm or society or like, you know, whatever. So that's a really great way of accepting, of like learning that acceptance though. Right. And it's humbling. Cause like there's so yeah. many people and, and this is a great thing of life, like that don't ever have to deal with this. They don't deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. They come from a solid family that has every, the resources they need. Right. They just can flow through life. And that's amazing. But some of us and <laughs> like that's not the game we play but and there's consequences and there's like realizations that come with that and that's a huge one is like it's always a process like even if you're good it can take one thing one traumatic thing and it, again it could be significant or you know like less significant than your previous experiences but it could just trigger something and it could just bring mm-hmm. up an old feeling that you haven't felt. And it's like, dang, like you have to remember to like, like I accept it. Like I'll always be in therapy. You know, like if it's not on a consistent basis, it's always something that I know I will probably need throughout moments of my life, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, accountability and yeah. self-awareness. Yeah. I think are two of the most crucial things to making it through your mental health. Mm. You know, you yeah. obviously have to know what's going on and, and, be self-aware that you're having these issues, but you got, you got to take accountability and may, you may not be able to do it when you're depressed right. or having it's, a mental health crisis, right. the accountability side. But afterwards, at some point in time, you need to go back and take accountability for how things went, whether you did make bad decisions during that mental health crisis, right. whether you made good decisions, but you just, you need to make sure you you're accountable for what you're doing at some point. Mm. And I think, you know, people just see your initial actions and that's, yeah. you know, a judgment on you. If you have mental health issues, like, Oh, this is who this person really is. It's like, no, cause deep down inside my heart, I'm not a person that wants to cheat on my, right. my partners. Um, I'm not a person that wants to yell at my children, right. um, when they're doing something wrong. Um, think things like that. Yeah. It's not who I really am. Right. Having a tough time with my mental health, and it's caused me to do these things. Yes, and I still need to be accountable, though, right. for those things That's that I've point. done. Yeah. So, but I, yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier those circles that you can get into of like using something else again to medicate your mental health, whether it's an actual drug or whether it's you know an addiction right. or something. Right. Like I said, you just sometimes get into those circles where you think you've 
made things better for yourself, but right. those are bad distractions right. um, as well. So that accountability though, after the fact is, is super important because otherwise, yeah, people will think that's just who you are. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, and it's, it's a huge part of the process, I think, right. Is being able to, and come to come to realization of like, there may be nothing you can do to fix the past. Right. But like to then hold yourself to accountable where it does make sense, where there is a line that connects all the dots of some type of accountability. And I think that's, that's a huge end goal of like a process of all this. Um, because like you said, then, cause like there's a, there's a difference between just like a really messed up person in the sense of like, they're evil, right? There are evil people in this world that just want to see the world born and they're just like bad eggs, right? Or whatever. But there are people that like, yeah. like you said, face value may seem that way, but when you dig deeper, what is it? And is it something that they need to work through and then hold each other accountable? Or is it something again, like, to, to determine that, right? And to not just like quickly assume it's like, oh, well, you're just this, that, and the other. It's like, well, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, and then get that clarity to hold each, you know, hold yourself you up. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you think? Like, how do, how do men start to shift this conversation around here? And I'm not trying to like, we're not trying to obviously fucking fix the problem. We're not, you know, we're not experts by any means, but it's like, I just, I have seen now celebrity men lose their life to suicide. I have seen my personal friends of men lose their life to suicide. And it is this like very, it's this thing that's just like there. And it, I don't know how to Hmm. shift this. And if it's, if it's really just like, just trying to be more emotional. If it's understanding that it's just a real problem or asking for help. Like I don't, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such a difficult thing to, to determine because obviously so many outside factors. Right. Right. As you mentioned before, there's some legalities and policies and, you know, uh, the government has regulations on, on things like, coming from the the male perspective like it needs to be continued to be talked about like Mm. that's Mm. the first and foremost like we don't do more stuff like this things aren't going to change um because yeah i mean it is i've seen a lot of amazing people pass away to suicide i will say my favorite musician chester bennington from lincoln park like when he killed himself i was devastated because yeah. his music helped me through mental health yeah and they talked about mental health like they were very open about mental health so it was you know one of those things where but they succumbed to their own mental health yeah yeah normalized mental health with men and expectations need to change i mean i think a great example is just social media in general like mm. and i understand algorithms and all that crap Right. setting up your facebook feeds but right honestly my facebook feed has been a ton of like mom support memes um like you're an amazing mother if you don't have a man like you right. don't need a man right this and that right. it's a, a lot of like anti-man stuff right now like dude like where's the hey you're a fucking good dad like right. you may not be with the mom 
but you're taking care of your kids and doing everything to make their life amazing. Like the fuck is that algorithm, you know, pulling that information to put it on my Facebook feed because it kind of bums me out when all I see is like, Oh, single mom. She's amazing. Even though nobody sees it, like nobody sees that because they just think we leave. Right. Right. But like, we don't all do that. Mm. So like, there's a lot of stuff that can change. And I mean, I think technology is part of the issue. Um, You know, like I said, I I understand algorithms and some of that stuff needs to be uh, switched up. I think policy with the government needs to definitely change um, when it comes to mental health. You know, there's no, I don't know what they can do, what kind of bills and laws they could pass to really hold these more accountable for making sure that their employees get mental health when they need it. Yeah. Um, I think just the world of insurance needs to change to help normalize and getting help, making it not so difficult. And, you know, going to your family doctor, like I'll say I go to a doctor and half the time, like, why I can't do anything for you. I have to refer you. Yeah. Like, dude, what's the point back 50 years ago? If I went to the doctor, cause I was having an issue, they might sit there and actually stitch you on up. Right. Cause you're having, you know, cause you got cut or something, you know, nowadays a doctor would be like, well, I can't even give you stitches. I, I, yeah. I refer you to the ER or something like right. that. So it's like, right. there's just so much that is, is needing to be changed. So, but again, sorry, get back to the point. What we're doing right here, I think is the only true first step. And yeah. that's talking about it. Yeah. Main that awareness more than, more than just like you said, the celebrities, like they, they will, have a bigger reach than us at this point in time. Right. But we need to bring it to the masses, the working folk yeah. for them to get comfortable with. Yeah. Not just hearing it from that celebrity. Because when their neighbor next door kills himself, it's like, oh shit, it's real. It's right here. Yeah. It's right next to me. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, yeah. It's going to be more mental health crises. Mm. No, that's a, that's a really good point of like, it's, and that's something that people don't really realize is like you can see like a celebrity musician do this, but when it's when it really hits your circle and it gets like so close to you or you've tried it yourself or you know, whatever it is, it's like it is just a very shift of realness. And that's where like that's yeah, the facade of celebrity mental health is what I get frustrated with because it is it's Hollywood, right? So they mark and you and I know this, we both have degrees in this in this background of just like it markets to the struggle and then the success and blah blah blah. It's like, but that's not it's just not realistic in what I've experienced with mental health. It's like yeah. there's it's dark. And it's really fucking hard. Right. And like, we need to, I think that's part of how we get better. Honestly, is like cutting the, the, again, instilling hope, doing this with empathy, doing it in a way that approaches well, but to really set expectations, right? Like when, when you go through something traumatic, let it be a sexual assault, let it be an abuse, let it be drinking, let it be whatever. Again, this major thing is, it's just hard and we have to take time and understand this is going to be a, if not close to a full lifelong process, a really big chunk of your life to focus on this stuff and, mm-hmm. and to set that and be, and, but like make that okay. Right. Like make these companies, make your friends, make your families understand like this is part of it. It's not that I'm lazy. It's not that I don't want to hang out with you and I don't want to be social. It's that I can't. Right. And to really use language like that to where it's like, 
Because I remember when I was like, I remember when I was going through my depression and, and at the peak of it, people just thought like, I was like, I didn't want to hang out with them. And like, I had an attitude. It's like, no, you don't like it is. I physically could not be around you because you wouldn't want to be around me. Do you want to know why? Because all I wanted to do is be really sad, listen to dark music and cut. You don't want to be there for that shit. Right. And, but like, we don't talk, we don't talk about that side. We just talk about like, well, Jonathan went through stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, that's what I was doing. Right. And it's like making it again, understanding that there's a process of hope and that I did a lot of work to get away from that, but also understand like, yeah, for a long couple of years, my friends didn't want to be friends with me. And I understand why. And this was at a really young age of like puberty and human development of young teenagers and growing into our teens. And so like, there's all these complex relationships going on, which I like also fucked up in a lot of different ways because of the mental health. Right. And it's like, but being real with that and accepting that. And it's like, yeah, it is, you know, it is what happened. Um, I want to talk about before we start wrapping up here is just like, did you ever have a moment where like your support really came through? And was there like, is there a moment that you remember of just let it be family, let it be a friend, let it be whomever that just really uh, stuck out. Cause there, there is a moment that I always, um, when people are like, well, how did you get better? Blah, blah, blah. It's like one moment I have is very clear, but I just always try and see if anyone else has had similar type of experiences. I don't, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know if I've had a moment of clarity where it's like this moment in particular stands out to me. Mm. I have to say that my parents have been amazing parents yeah. throughout my life. Like I can't complain. Like, yeah, they're still together and married for all these years, even though they, they bicker and they fight. And, you know, that's a whole nother story on like relationships lasting the yeah. long run. But yeah. like they were like, come back home. Yeah. Come back home. You've got us to go. Come back home we'll set up a room for the girls here. Yeah. So, I mean, my parents, like they stand out to me as just like, they've always been there to support me and they've done anything that they knew they could do to support me, you know, yeah. other than like getting into that. Point, like, Hey, we're going to call the police for a wellness check. If you don't call us back after not talking to us for like a year, yeah. you know, things yeah. like that. So, yeah. I mean, we, we need that support and it's okay for that support to be intrusive and to keep pushing. Yes. Like yes. that's what I would want is to keep pushing. Yes. Like not to be like, like you were saying, like, I don't want to hang out with you guys right now because I can't hang out with you guys because you wouldn't want to hang out with me. I also think of it as like, I can't put on that fake happy face for you guys either. Yeah. So I don't want to hang out with you because yeah. you want happiness, you know, right. and then not having them like just disappear. Like, yeah. You know what? Maybe we don't talk for six months, maybe even a year. Yeah. But like keep yeah. trying. Yeah. Keep trying to get me to come out. Um, things like that. So it's like that persistent support group um that's continuously there yeah. for the long run. Yeah. I think is is so crucial. And it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a friend, whether it's your family, whether it's a coworker right. that maybe you're not friends, but the right. coworker understands, like, dude, you're going through something. Yeah. So like that's what stands out to me is that I have had parents that have continued to be like, Hey, you, you, you can come home. We've got everything that we need to do. Like I said, I don't have a strict, like, boom, this moment was a yeah. standout moment yeah, for yeah. me. But like, just the fact that I've got certain people that have been consistently there for me, continue to try 
and don't give up on me is so important. Yeah. No, that's a great point of the continual intrusive help. I like how you said that because it took that both times of my mental health crises for that. Like, that's what pulled me out, right? Was this continual, like, I'm not leaving until I know that you are okay enough to make it through a night, right? And if that's like through continual support from as from a parent role of birth to death, if it's a friendship role, I, and like you said, it could come from anyone at any time. And it doesn't have to be a relationship that necessarily lasts through the life of time with you, right? It's just in those moments when you get that gut feeling, when you have that notion that this person needs someone is to just put the presser, you know, press the button, keep pressing the button for help to help them. Right. Um, because that, that is exactly what happened with my first time. Like when I was like made my suicide note, kind of thought about how I could do it. Like kind of was like trying to reach out to people to say goodbye. It was like my friends group that dead of winter showed up my house and was like, we're not going. Like we're like, we'll stay out here yeah. and like, we'll be out in the car, like in the driveway, but like, we need to make sure you're okay. And these core people, even though we haven't spoken in years, I can like meet up with them. And we un- like, at least I hope they understand my appreciation for that. It's like, because that continual, like, we're not going anywhere. If it's again, if it's through your parents, if it's whomever that is, those moments are literal lifesavers, right? And I think that's a great yeah. note for people that who want to help, right? That may be the strong mental health person in their friendship group is like, keep going, right? Just keep seeing mm-hmm. what you can do to help. If it's something small of like, just do you need a ride? Do you need, let me grab you McDonald's on my way home, whatever, like whatever those moments are. Cause like those things can change uh, so much of like the story, I think. Right. Cause like those moments are literal make or break moments, really. Like you can just be like, Oh, well, fuck you. Like, I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. And like, that could be really bad. Right. Or it's those moments of yeah. understand, like there's limits, right? Like you can't be an enabler, but like to understand true moments of pain and like helpfulness, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes the littlest thing is yeah, I guess we. I should, I would say we forget that the littlest things can make such a big impact. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a yeah. Great way to say that because yeah, the little gestures that we overlook sometimes and just maybe don't even think are important to our like daily interactions with people, right? That like mm-hmm. you just fucking never know, dude. You never know what's going through someone, and like just saying like. Hey, hey, Patrick, how are you? Like that enough, that sentence enough for someone could be enough to just like latch onto that hope. Like, I remember there's a friends episode where like, I think Phoebe is like selling like toner or something. And she meet and she like talks to a guy that's like contemplating suicide, but it was like, he reverted to the thing of just like, Oh, just you checking. And like, just saying hi to me over the phone was not like, and it's like, it's goofy cause it's nineties friends and it's like, it's cliche or whatever, but yeah. there are those like quick moments that you just never know could change someone's like entire perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's reality. Some people right. don't have anybody to talk to. So. Right. Right. Um, so I would just kind of wrap up here. Is that what, is there any like last things you wanted to get off your mind? Any piece of advice you would like to share or 
Any of those um, last little tidbits here? I mean, the biggest one is, again, don't give up. Like, yeah. it sounds so cliche. Right, yeah. Don't give up. You know, there's there are options and there are help out there. And if you can't find it yourself, somebody is out there that will. Right. Whether you have to go to a hospital and they will help you figure that out. I mean, there's always somebody out there. You go to a homeless shelter if you're homeless mm-hmm. and they will help direct you, mm-hmm. you know, and if you need that hand holding through the entirety of the process, there's somebody out there. Right. There is definitely somebody out there. We, you may have a hard time finding them, but there's mm-hmm. already somebody out there. So don't give up. Yeah. Call somebody. Yeah. You're having issues, my man. Like, doesn't matter who they are. You know, if it's just the smallest conversation you have with them. Yeah. That gets you through that. Yeah current situation that you're in just like don't give up we can't have this happening anymore like there's just too many people giving up and i don't i don't want to say like you're a failure for giving up like i get wanting to give up get it we don't have to like there there truly is stuff that can help you out there that's not being continuously marketed to you right um that's not being prescribed to you that's not being talked about in the media you know yeah like we talked about maybe it's just a friend you don't even realize it but that friend calling you made made your whole day better right so remember those things that like even in your shittiest of shittiest moments like you don't have to give up you can get through this and things can get better but if you give up there's never going to be that option yeah yeah no i like like, when it comes to the side of things with men yeah um in regards to like the of men, like we just need to keep having these conversations, keep having yeah. these talks because it's not going to change unless, unless men start to do something about it. Not that women can't, but right. I guess you could say statistically, there's more men in leadership positions still right. statistically. Right. So where's change going to come from? We got to get the men in leadership positions to do that. And right. the women, yes. And the women, but if we can't make that change, it's going to be much harder yeah. with women trying to, and, and men define that. So yeah. men out there in leadership positions or that run their own organization, like, dude, let the other men in your organization know, like life sucks sometimes, man. Mm. I'm there for you. Right. And if I can't be there for you, I'm going to give you help. And right. Get you something. Right. So like, there, there's just always another option. Right. No, that's a great point, especially when it comes to mental health and men's narrative is like, we need to put the work in. Like there has been, a really big gap of the amount of work women have done to which is ironic because like all of the mental health shit was written by white men so like it's ironic that the women have probably embraced these uh theories and methods and techniques and interventions better than us because of whatever facade we it grew on us but we need to, like we need to do this we can't just say like well Ellen DeGeneres had usher on and it's like no two guys two men two people who identify as men need to sit down and just talk about it and then and then whatever way we can get that out there to show an example of it i think is a great step um i am shit i this is the thing about podcasts that's always funny is like i always lose my train of thought too but you had another good point that i wanted to reflect on that i totally forgot but I do, I do love this idea. Oh, we're talking about not giving up. We're talking about men. Yeah. Oh, just not giving up, right? Like it is this, like the cliche saying, yes, thank you. Um, Cliche sayings 
feel fake at times when you say it. And like things of hope and like enchantment seem fake. But it is what I have seen in my experiences. Like when you can buy into like the cliche shit, it can actually work. And that's why it's cliche, right? Like like it, it, it seems so silly to just never give up, try and find something else. But there are steps that are there. There are things that we can start to change this direction of shorten of life and like highest teen suicide rates. Like life is an enjoyment when you can figure out how you need to enjoy it, right? Like whatever things you need in place to enjoy. But like when you have that, fuck man, like you can have some fun with this crazy shit that happens, right? And it may not be all the highest of moments, but you could get maybe one and maybe sometimes that just is enough to get you to the next like process of it. Um, but it is to buy into the cliche sayings, right? Like go find a therapist, go continue to try and talk this out, go talk about feelings. Like the more we can just really get rid of that facade of like flu flu of the cliche-ness and just really buy into this, I think is a huge step to you of just like, yeah, man, like we need to, because like, <laughs> like we're, we're human society, right? So if we just continue down this way, man, like, I don't know. I don't like this idea of just never fixing this problem because like we have, especially in this country, right? Like we have every advantage to enjoy the fuck out of life. And if, if it's really just us standing in our way, well, like that's a pretty solvable, like it's not easy, but it's solvable to find a solution to like, let's find a framework for every individual, whatever that may look like. Right. If it's if fuck, you need to smoke a joint before you go into a big crowd. So you're less anxious. Well, fucking do that. Let's get this done. If you need to go talk to someone, do yeah. that. If you need medication and to, chemical imbalances to balance those out like let's just do this guys like let's just start moving it um well i really appreciate this conversation um i hope to have you um back on at some point too to just continue this because i think just the more we can do this man like and the more we can get deeper into conversations and topics of all this i think is the better but um i really want to appreciate it like and if no one reaches out like like you said, if we just change one mindset for like half a second, I think I think all of this is worth it because it's just like a moment of clarity is all I'm really searching for for people that listen. So, I agree. And thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't know. Do you do you want people to f- follow you on your social media? Because I ask guests if they want to ever let their social media handles out, but I also know some people are private. So if you don't want to, we're all good. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my social media is pretty much dedicated to my my kids um, and my family. So I don't know if there'd be anything interesting that they <laughs> want to follow anyway. So we'll, we'll leave it out for now. Cool. Um, but yeah, maybe down the road, you know, now having this conversation, maybe thinking more of that with my posts, it may be um, more pertinent down the road. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, um, for all of you that are listening, thank you for listening and always tuning back into the Homegrown Podcast where we aim to make uncomfortable conversations comfortable. Uh, As always, go to our Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find us under the Homegrown Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you. This homegrown preamble. Listen closely, and you're going to see fun of you with the Great Lakes swing. Ain't a thing, boy. It's the 18, boy. You can see what I mean, boy. Come on with the theme, boy. Everybody on, on your tablet or your phone. Subscribe to the podcast, it's homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast, it's homegrown. The name of the 
name of the podcast is Homegrown. It's what everybody on from your tablet or your phone. Subscribe to the podcast is Homegrown. Subscribe to the podcast is Homegrown. The name of the podcast is Homegrown.